A new year is upon us, and this is what I need to see from my Canes in 2023. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today and your final listen of the year, maybe. Uh, last day here of 2022. Happy New Year to all. I hope you guys celebrate. You enjoy the college football playoff national semifinals throughout the day today. Uh, we're available free here on Locked on Canes, wherever you get your podcasts, and available free on YouTube. So end of the year, I wanted to do some Q&A. You guys have been sending us questions to at Locked on Canes on Twitter. And if you follow us at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back. Got a good question from one of our new followers, Esteban. He says, hey, Dono, whenever you do listener questions next, I would love to know when you expect Mario's recruiting efforts to translate to on-the-field success. Are we going to have to wait until year three for more than seven wins, he says. Um, okay, so I like the way you phrased it because the answer to that question is is maybe, probably. I don't know. We might have to wait until year three, which would be 2024, for a significant number of wins. And uh, a lot of people just straight up ask me, like, dude, how many games is Miami going to win yet next year? Is it going to be 10 games finally? And I told you guys, I'm not making any win-loss predictions until the end of fall camp. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I thought Miami would be a 9 or 10 win team last year, and it was it was a debacle on the field. But I do think that those results can be turned around by recruiting, and we're seeing Mario, who ended up getting a very nice class in 2022, one of the best classes in the country in 2023. So if you ask me, if I'm going to leave a win-loss prediction out of it, what does Dono want to see from the Miami Hurricanes on the football field in the 2023 season, folks, the biggest thing I want to see is development of the freshmen and sophomores. I want to see the players that Mario Cristobal recruited taking big steps forward, right? Because before we even talk about the 2023 guys who are just coming in, most of them are going to be early enrollees. The 2022 guys is Trevante Citizen who had to sit out all of last year with an ACL. And I, I think he's more than likely going to be healthy in time to start the season, knock on wood. Can Trevante Citizen, who I think is the most complete back on this team on paper, can that translate into on-the-field success? Because I think Trevante Citizen out of Louisiana, uh, four-star running back in last year's class, is good enough to be the starting running back on this football team. Can Trevante Citizen take the next step and have a great debut season, right? Because we were robbed of his debut last year because he suffered an injury in one of the fall camp scrimmages, right? Nigelie Kelly, can he continue to take a step forward? Because we talk so much about the edge rushers that are coming in. Got Reuben Bain on the way in. Got Jaden Wayne on the way in. The whole Gotham City defensive back uh, rotation, Wayne Bain. Uh, we have uh, uh, Collins Achiampong coming in, but... Nigelie Kelly, who was starting to look really good last season. Cyrus Moss, who we haven't really seen yet. Um, so I'm looking at these guys heading into their sophomore seasons. Wesley Besaint, I'm looking at him 
uh, looking at him heading into his sophomore campaign, I mean, he was uh, arguably Miami's best linebacker by the time the season ended as a true freshman last season. Who else am I looking at? Jaleel Skinner, the tight end, uh, who's going to have definitely an increased workload. He's going to be, I think, at worst, the number two tight end this coming year, assuming uh, Elijah Arroyo is fully recovered from his own knee injury. Now, he Arroyo suffered his ACL, I think, about a month, if not a little bit longer than a month after Trevante Citizen suffered his. I know not every ACL recovery is the same. It might take Arroyo a little bit longer, a little bit less time, but you would imagine he's probably at least a month behind Trevante Citizen's recovery. So Jaleel Skinner heading into his uh, true sophomore year at tight end, his role is going to significantly increase. You know, I'm a big fan of Jakari Brown. I don't know how much we're going to see Jakari Brown on the field next year because hopefully if Tyler Van Dyke plays as well as I think he can and if Tyler stays healthy, I don't know if we'll see a lot of Jakari Brown, but we'll see his development continue. And then, my goodness, you have so many true freshmen arriving from arguably uh, the most talented recruiting class Miami has pulled in in, what, 15 years, if not longer. I mean, you go back to that Miami Northwestern class in 2007, which didn't pan out the way we'd hoped it would pan out. But this is the most talented recruiting class Miami has pulled in in a long time. So if you're asking me, what do I need to see from my Canes in 2023 before I even think about putting a win-loss number on it, seven and five, eight and four, not – before I even think about that, I really want to see the players that are a part of Mario Cristobal's recruiting revolution, the players he brought in last year and the players he's bringing in this year. I want to see how many of these freshmen and sophomores can jump off the page and show their development. Because, folks, if this talent pans out the way that they could or should, Miami should be in the next two, three years, right? Once these players become juniors, seniors, sophomore juniors, because some of them might leave early before they're even seniors. But if this talent that's being recruited pans out, there's no reason why Miami shouldn't be competing with the big boys in a couple of years. I think this coming season, probably a little bit too soon for that. But my big thing is I want to see how these guys develop. I mean, and it's not obviously the offensive linemen. We're going to talk about them a little bit more, completely overhauling the offensive line. You know, you've got two stud running backs coming in. I just talked about Trevante Citizen, but you have Mark Fletcher, who's a power back and a complete back coming in, and Chris Johnson, who's one of the fastest players in the country coming in at running back. You've got a couple of really exciting slot receivers coming in. You've got some really exciting defensive backs coming in. Whether or not Cormani McLean comes or not, uh, I love the future of Damari Brown, Robert Stafford. I think Caleb Spencer, who's probably going to play safety, is really underrated. Antoine Jackson, I think, is going to be a nice project, and he's only 17 years old. So there's, there's a lot to be excited about from uh, the players who are going to be heading into their second season and the players who are about to arrive to play their first season. So I, I really appreciate that question. Our pal Salty asks us, if you had to bet on one coaching change to take place before next season, which one would it be? Uh, I know the answer you guys all want. Um, I feel like the one that I would bet on, which would be a good thing, but kind of an addition, not really a subtraction. Uh, I, I really hope they can find an expanded role for DeMarcus Van Dyke that they can find a way to get Coach DVD actually on the field because he's in the recruiting department. He's not an on-the-field coach. Uh, I want to see his role expand at Miami. So uh, I, I, 
it might just be wishful thinking on my part, but you know, it sounds like DeMarcus is not leaving. So if he's not leaving, that tells me he's probably getting a promotion because I think he could get a promotion somewhere else if he wanted it. So I, I want to see DeMarcus Van Dyke have an expanded role on the staff. And, you know, I know everyone, everyone wanted me to say, oh yeah, within the next days, if not hours, we're going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator I think there's still there's still a decent shot at that. Um, just because Cristobal is not working on your accelerated timeline doesn't mean something isn't going to happen here. Like I also I wouldn't rule out Josh Gaddis. There have been rumors about him talking with Iowa, potentially looking to go back to the Big Ten. Um, he may understand that. This down here in Miami may not be really the fit that he was looking for and that his style may suit a Big Ten type of program a little bit better. So I would not rule out him maybe looking and landing another job and then maybe a change could be made there. I wouldn't rule out a change of defensive coordinator happening either. And there's definitely going to be some smaller changes on the staff, analysts, position coaches. I know that that's not like as sexy of a topic as coordinators is, but um, you know, I, I think there, there's definitely a chance that there could be a change at offensive coordinator, but I will tell you, not a lot of new information on that in weeks. So I'm not trying to say, hey, guys, somebody just dropped an awesome nugget on me that this job's coming open. It's been all quiet on that front, because keep in mind, right now, uh, most of Miami's coaches are on vacation, like they're taking a breather after a really, really busy recruiting cycle and early signing period. So there's not a whole lot of chatter coming out of the program right now to begin with. So if changes do start happening, they're going to start happening in potentially in early January. So keep your eyes out for that. But I'd probably, I'd probably for me, hopefully a safer bet would be DeMarcus Van Dyke gets some kind of a promotion. I think that would be the next quote unquote coaching change that I could see happening. Uh, I've got some really good questions about starting offensive line, starting wide receivers for next year and who is going to be the next transfer portal commit? Miami's got four so far. Who's the next transfer portal going to be? Keep it locked right here to the final episode of 2022 of Locked on Canes. And guys, make sure you are locking down your built bar orders for the new year. You've got to try these new flavors of built bar. New reimagined flavors, folks. The cookie dough topper. Oh, my goodness. So good. Coconut brownie bar. Coconut brownie topper. White chocolate peppermint granola. That's Bilt's take on the granola bar. And it's so much more filling. And it's still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puffs. Bilt puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First of all, for anyone who hasn't tried Bilt bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. Guys, I eat one to two built bars per day, and I've managed to, first of all, it satisfies my cravings. They fill me up, they give me energy throughout the day, and you don't have to break your diet. Like I over the past 14 months, I've lost 60 pounds. Like I've completely revolutionized my my fitness and my health game. And built bar has been a big part of that for me. It's it's like a guilty pleasure, but you know, there's no reason to feel guilty about it because built bars are healthy. 
They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low sugar and calories, just 130 calories. So sink your teeth into that first bite. It's going to change your life forever. And I'm not kidding. There's going to be a time before you tried new built flavors and then the magical, wonderful time afterwards. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. It's an unanswerable question. They're all unbelievable and they're all different. So you can order a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. Built, you've got to try this. And hey, you can get 15% off your order right now by using our code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. That's 15% off with our code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your final listen of the year as we close out 2022 and we enter into 2023. Listen, 2022, um, it was an awesome year for this show. It was my first year with the Locked on Network going back to April. Um, So we've been growing and I appreciate the support you guys give us. I'm going to keep working hard each and every day, literally every day we put on episodes. I'm going to keep working hard to give you guys hopefully the best and the most up-to-date Miami Hurricanes content, because I think that's the advantage of the fact that this show's on every day. You're always getting fresh information. We're not weekly. We're not bi-weekly. We're on every single day giving you the freshest possible Miami Hurricanes information. And uh, we just today, actually, we reached a a goal that I was trying to reach by New Year's Day, 7,000 YouTube subscribers. So thank you guys so much. So if you watch the show on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed yet, Hit the subscribe button. Uh, We've only had the YouTube channel since May of this year. So to get 7,000, I'm very pleased with it. I'm very humbled by it. And I appreciate you guys for going out of your way to support the show. And since you guys support us, I like to support you by answering your Twitter questions. And again, you can send us questions to our Twitter account at LockedOnCanes. And if you follow us at LockedOnCanes, we will follow you back. So let's see. The next question comes from, we got a couple questions about the offensive line. So I'm going to do these questions back to back. Uh, Our pal Nick Green asked me, with the massive O-line class coming in, how many do you think will be on the starting lineup coming up uh, during the season? And also, do you think our three-headed monster in the backfield is going to be Cheney, Citizen, and Fletcher? So let me, Nick, I'll answer the running back part of it first because we got another question about the offensive line that I'm going to kind of group into your question. Uh, as far as as far as three-headed running back, um, I, I don't know. I think you're, you're making one assumption there, and that's the assumption that Don Chaney is, you know, he's going to get himself healthy and, and be back to his old self from a couple of years ago. I'm rooting for him. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't take... Uh, I'm not just going to assume that he's going to be a top three running back next year because he's coming off of two uh, serious injury setbacks. He he finally made his season debut in the final game of the year this past year. Uh, so hopefully uh, I'm going to know more about Chaney, obviously, how he looks, if he can participate in spring football, how he looks in fall camp. Um, it's hard for me to like pencil him into the top three because he's missed so much time the last couple of years. Uh, you're also, uh, I think you're assuming there that Henry Parrish is not going to be a factor. I didn't see his name come up there. Um, I, I think Henry Parrish, it's inevitable. I think he's going to be a top three back for Miami next year. I think the question will be Parrish, who, you know, he's just a well-rounded back, pretty good pass blocker, 
Uh, you know, he's not that explosive and he's not that big, but he's just, I don't, it, it's just hard to bench this guy. I think Henry Parrish may end up starting the year as your number one back. And then I think Citizen is probably going to be the guy who overtakes him. So, um, I mean, I could, I could end up seeing uh, maybe the top three next year being in no particular order, Citizen, Parrish, and then probably Mark Fletcher because Fletcher is – he's just big and strong. I think his body is going to allow him to compete pretty quickly. But then Christopher Johnson, he's a major wild card, right? Because I feel like you've got to find ways to get him on the field, whether it's as a returner slash sometimes you line him up in the slot, but Miami's loaded with slot receivers. You know, um, you know maybe, maybe you keep him on there with, with two backs at times. I think you've got to find creative ways to get Chris Johnson on the field because he's a home run hitter. And, you know, uh, you lost uh, Jalen Knighton, who, you know, had a, a really uh, overall a very poor year at Miami last year. There were a lot of reasons for that. But that was the guy who last year on paper was your speed back and your home run hitter. Chris Johnson is even faster than Jalen Knighton was. So you got to find ways to get him on the field. So, you know, you, you could almost say it's like it's hard to narrow it down from four. But. I think the problem will probably work itself out, the problem of depth, because as we saw last year, we thought, hey, we've got like five running backs who can all be starting caliber. More than half of them were hurt throughout the year. So I never want to see injuries happen, but that seems pretty inevitable in football. So I think uh, you can never have too much depth at running back, I think is what I'm saying. Uh, Sean asks, can you ask your sources for the most likely starting offensive line come nine two, which I guess September second, that's the the season opener. Uh, no, no sources for this one, right? This is not a sourcing thing. No, nobody's going to know for sure who the starting five uh, O line is going to be until you know probably right before they kick that opening game off. Um, but I can give you my opinion, okay? Because there's a lot of talent on Miami's offensive line, but a lot of young talent. So I think the question is going to be. How quickly can Miami's top incoming freshmen beat out some of the upperclassmen? Because if you're asking me what my what my ideal starting five on the offensive line will be, and they want to have in an ideal world just a 10-man rotation that can, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter who starts because everyone's getting reps. That That's the way that Mirabal and Cristobal like to do it. They like to have a deep rotation and rotate a lot during games. But as far as starting five, like, man, I would love to see the Pancake Honcho Samson Okun Lola uh, starting at left tackle. Uh, but I think it'd be either him or Zion Nelson. Let's not forget Zion's back. Zion's got to stay healthy, of course. So I would like to see either Okun Lola or Zion Nelson at left tackle. Um, I think optimal position for JV on Cohen is left guard because I'm just saying that because that's what he played the last two years at Alabama and dominated. I think JV on Cohen is versatile enough. He could play multiple different positions. He might even be able to play center. He can play tackle, but I'd probably go Okunlola or Zion at left tackle, JV on Cohen at left guard. Uh, I'd be interested to see Jalen Rivers at center, but if it's not him, could be Ja'Kai Clark. Uh, I love to see Inez Cooper at right guard. That's the position he settled into last year and looked really good there. And then at right tackle, man, I would love to see Francis Maui Goa there. But if it's not him, it could be Jalen Rivers over there or it could be Zion Nelson over there at right tackle. Maybe Okun Lola wins the left tackle job and Zion wins the right tackle job. And Maui Goa could end up being like the first guy off the bench because Maui Goa can play 
just about any position, maybe not center, but he can play both guard spots or both tackle spots for you. He's that versatile. So you've got you've got so many quality options there. Um, you know, and I, I put Jalen Rivers maybe at center in my ideal lineup, but you could easily start. Uh, he could easily start at one of the guard spots uh, with Ja'Kai Clark starting at center. Uh, I'm not forgetting about guys like Matthew McCoy, who's got a lot of upside, and big baby Lawrence Seymour. They're going to be part of the rotation too. And then I'm curious to see how much, because there's other true freshmen coming in who I don't think are like ready to be starters day one, but I can't wait to see how much Antonio Tripp might play next year as a freshman. He can play guard or center. Uh, big Bruno, Tommy Kinsler, is really, really athletic and very big for his age, so he may be able to find a role quickly. And then Frankie Tinelout might be a little bit more of a project, but he's got so much. He's just a grown man. Like, he is a man-child, and he's got so much upside. So we'll see how quickly he learns. And I, I believe Tinelout is going to be one of the early enrollees in spring, so he's going to have a chance to hit the ground running there. Um, we got a question from Cooking Kane. He asks, who are your starting receivers for next season, barring any injuries? Um, yeah, and receiver obviously uh, doesn't look as deep as offensive line or running back. Um, you know, you, you have you have some you have some promising talent. I like uh, Ray Ray Joseph and uh, and Robbie Washington coming in, but I think you're starting three receivers next season. I think my best three and starting three would be Xavier Restrepo in the slot, and then Jacoby George and Colby Young as the other starters there. Um, Cause Colby Colby really got rolling for a couple of weeks and, you know, he looked like one of the best receivers in the ACC for like two and a half games fell off a little bit when the quarterback play fell off. Uh, Jacoby George was injured for most of the season. He's uh, extremely talented, fast and shifty. And then we all know what Restrepo can do when he's healthy for a full year. So that that's probably my starting three wide receivers there. Um, we've got questions on the next portal commit and on the facilities. I want to get to those when we come back. Keep it locked right here. We're not done yet on Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen of the day and maybe last listen of the year. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, let's see. Oh, Steven asks us, is Cormani McLean officially a Miami Hurricane? Uh, Steven, you must not have been listening to the shows the last few days. We've talked a lot about Cormani McLean. I'm I'm burned out on McLean, honestly. But no, he's he's not officially a cane. He cannot sign a national letter of intent now until February 1st. Uh, a lot of people think Coach Prime is going to flip this one. I honestly don't know. Uh, it, it did look like Cormani was pretty cozy with the Miami signees who are at the Under Armour game. Cormani's an Under Armour All-America this week. So I know it's it seemed like he was uh he was interacting with his uh potential future Miami teammates as if he's gonna be a hurricane, but stranger things have happened in recruiting. But to answer your question, no, he is not officially a Miami hurricane. I still expect him to sign on February 1st, but I know I'm gonna get like a hundred comments from like the Gator fans who just don't want Miami to have nice things. And the Colorado fans, like Colorado fans have been showing up in our mentions over the last couple. I didn't know Colorado fans existed. I guess they, they probably just follow coach prime. Now, wherever he goes, they're new Colorado fans. You guys have been showing up big time in our mentions. He's not a cane. He's going to be a Buffalo or he's going to be a Gator. Actually, I don't definitely don't think he's going to be a Gator, but no, he's, he's not officially 
a Miami Hurricane yet. Um, let's see. We got a question. Where is this question about the next? Uh, here we go. Bobby asked us, who's going to be the next transfer portal commit and have the new facilities been approved? Uh, as far as transfer portal commit, I know who it's not going to be. We talked in yesterday's episode uh, that came out yesterday afternoon, Friday afternoon, about Cameron Jackson, a big defensive tackle out of Memphis. Uh, he He's already committed to Florida, like really quickly, because we talked about him at like four o'clock yesterday, and we were talking about him scheduling vis visits like Cameron Jackson. Is he going to visit Miami in the first week of January? When's he going to visit Florida? Uh, like as quickly as he entered the portal, he already picked his destination and uh, kudos, I guess, to uh, I, I hate I always have to say that like begrudgingly, but kudos to the Gators because I think they they landed a, a big, uh, good uh, defensive tackle, like 340 pounds, six foot six Cameron Jackson. So I know it's not going to be Cameron Jackson. Uh, I still think and hope the next transfer portal edition for Miami is going to be Dante Thornton, the 6'5", 200-pound wide receiver out of Oregon. It's a big-time position of need. Um, you know, I already mentioned who I think my starting three wide receivers will be next year. Dante Thornton may be able to get himself into that mix if he comes to Miami. Um, you know, I, I hope Thornton is going to be next uh, the next Miami Hurricane. So uh, that's, that's probably the direction I'm going to look in. I feel pretty good about Dante Thornton. So hopefully that's going to be the next guy. As far as the new facilities go, um, you guys have probably heard about the the $100 million new football facility, not a stadium, but the new on-campus facility with expanding the indoor practice facility, new coaches' offices, new locker rooms, new weight room, podcasting studios. Maybe I can slide into one of those. Um, they, they had a meeting about that with the Coral Gables uh, City Commission or City Delegation, whatever you call it. They had a meeting about it earlier this month on December 9th. Um, they haven't decided approval yet. I don't think they were expecting approval on that day. Uh, they still have to kind of work through some things. I would be shocked if it's not approved. Like, I, I, I don't think this is one of those things where they may say no. And I know Coral Gables, it's, they're, they're not that easy to work with. They're very strict about regulations. But I don't see anything about this facility, this proposed facility, that would violate any Coral Gables regulations. Like, it's not like it's a sporting venue. Like, the reason why they can't build, like, an on-campus football stadium or it'd be very difficult to do that because the city of Coral Gables has all these weird laws about how large a sporting venue can be. It's why the uh, the Watsco Center, which is, you know, the not very big, the basketball arena, doesn't hold that many people. I don't know if it's, like, 8,000 or so. That's at like the very maximum of how many people the city of Coral Gables will allow to gather at one sporting venue. They have laws about that. Uh, but as far as the football facility, it's going to be privately funded. They're not asking, I don't think, for any sort of taxpayer money. They can't. It's a private institution. It's going to be all, you know, donations and fundraising to build that. Uh, and I don't see anything about the building that would violate any Coral Gables laws. So I think it's just a formality that it's going to get approved. Like they Coral Gables may ask for like clarification and tweaks on certain things. Uh, but here is what uh, Miami said about their facilities in their press release from earlier this month. The proposed football operations center would include offices for all Miami football personnel, player locker rooms, a fitness center, 
team meeting rooms, an alumni lounge. Ooh, does that include like regular alumni? Like, did I have to play on the football team? I, I graduated from the school. Can I hang out at the alumni lounge? Uh, let's see. Rehab and treatment facilities, a photo studio, which is big for recruiting visits, of course, media offices, podcast rooms, and a simulator room. Uh, that was the application that Miami submitted. The proposed Dickinson garage, a new parking garage, would also feature an 18,000 square foot dining facility. Uh, it was part of a previously approved plan and is being relocated and reduced in size from the initially planned 280,000 square feet in order to accommodate for the Miami Football Operations Center. So I'm expecting that to be approved, Bobby. Let me see who else. Whose question have we not answered yet today? Um, Anthony gave us a compliment. Anthony Bethel, I'll take it. He says, sir, this is talking about yesterday's episode, sir. That was the best locked on Canes ever. Ruben Bain was a must get. And by golly, Mario did it. Disgraceful that he's not a five star. Let's go Kane. So he enjoyed yesterday's episode. I mentioned Ruben Bain, even though he's not Miami's highest rated recruit. I think he can end up being Miami's most impactful recruit. I mean, this guy, 58 and a half, 60 sacks in the last two seasons, four-time state champion. Uh, and, you know, Reuben Bain at Miami Central playing the best of the best competition every single game. You know, if he was playing for some small-town team somewhere that played against farmers, I could understand, well, he's just compiling stats. Like, <laughs> Reuben Bain was arguably the most productive pass rusher in the entire country playing high school football last year and playing against some of the best competition in the country. The man deserves his fifth star. And I'm, I'm going to stay on that train forever. Like Miami right now, they've got two five-star signees with Maui Goa and Okun Lola. It should be three because as far as I'm concerned, Ruben Bain is a five-star player. Huge W guys for Kane's hoops yesterday. Um, here's, here's a new year's resolution from Dono. I want to devote a lot more time on locked on canes in 2023 to talking about the hoops team. They deserve it. This is going to be a tournament team. And I think they're going to be one of the teams that should be favored to win the tournament by the time it's all said and done 76 to 65 Miami won at Notre Dame yesterday. Hurricanes now 13 and one four and zero in the ACC. And they're going to be a top 10 team here shortly. They're 14th in the country right now. Nigel Pack led the Canes yesterday 21 points. He started the game five for five. And then when Notre Dame made a run, Pack was the one who stopped the Notre Dame run. Miami was going into the second half uh, down, but they began on a 14 to four run. This team just does not go away. And Isaiah Wong hits a milestone. He's now got 889 career points in the ACC. He passes Jack McClinton to break the program record. And I think this quote, and, and thanks to Cam Gorby from UM Communications for sharing this quote from Jordan Miller, this says it all about the Hoops team right now. He says, we are always underdogs. They don't really like to show us love, but all we do is come out and win basketball games. And you know what? I don't mind. If the Miami Hoops team has to fly under the radar all season, I will take it. I just hope they get respect when they do the tournament seedings because I don't want Miami to get screwed over like in the seeding. But if these guys can fly under the radar all season long, that's probably the way Jim Laranega likes it. I think Jim Laranega would probably prefer for these guys to be underdogs, to have the chip on the shoulder, because then you don't start kind of reading your own press clippings and getting cocky about it. So Kane's hoops 
Just keep on winning, baby. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode on January 1st. It's just going to depend on how hungover I am tomorrow. I'm just going to be real with you. If I'm not completely hungover, we might have a first of the year episode. If not, we will talk to you on Monday, January 2nd. We'll ring in the new year together on a new episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.